Lord, we just thank you. Just thank you that Matt's part of our family. And what a privilege it is for us today to hear some of the things that he's seeing um, happening around the world. We right now posture our hearts to be ready to see beyond this room into all the things that you're doing around the world. And so right now, I just ask that every word that Matt shares today would just be animated by your spirit, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for having me. Good to be here. Um, so I walked in here late August last year, and I think very quickly I understood that this is where Father wants me to be, and that's a that's a good thing. Um, I've built up several really good relationships already with people here, and for those people who have got close to me, cared for me, loved me over the last nearly 12 months, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Whenever I talk about ping pongathon, and I spend a lot of my life talking about ping pongathon, there's a few strands that have to come together in the in the early part before it's kind of all joined, and then we're cooking with gas. And so I just have to get some of those um, kind of strands joined together early on. First thing is I'm a very emotional character. Um, if I um, start shedding any tears in the next four and a half hours that I'm talking. Um, don't worry about me, that's just the way it is. Um, I'm not politically correct, so if I say anything that's not politically correct, just, just roll with me. And also, guys, if you hear anything this morning that makes you furiously angry, and there might be, just go with it. That's okay. We're talking about a big subject here. Ping Pongathon is an Australia-wide fundraising and advocacy movement. We bring communities together and unite them under one cause, bringing freedom to some of the world's most vulnerable individuals. The fun and freedom of table tennis is our weapon of choice to bring slavery to an end. When people participate in a Ping Pongathon event, people are freed. That is a fact. Churches, schools, shopping centre, workplaces, beaches, cafes, pubs, universities, backyards, living rooms. If you can set up a table tennis table in one of those places or somewhere else, you can have a ping pong -a event. Since our creation 12 years ago now, we've raised close to $4 million and we've held something like 650 ping pong -a events nationwide. You see, we have a firm belief that when communities come together, take action, good things happen. So first thing we have to deal with is our name, Ping Pongathon. It's a long name, isn't it? Like if you write Ping Pongathon down, it's about that long. And I think it's something like, um, um, I don't know, what's the word I'm looking for? Vowels, consonants or something, you know three words beginning with the letter R kind of thing. Ping pongathon, long word. It's too long. We can't use the word ping pongathon when we're going to be talking here for several hours. So it's called the pong. So pong is an all-encompassing kind of word. It's a proper noun. We are the pong. And when you host a ping pongathon event, 
um, you are hosting your Pong event. And um, when you're taking part in a Pong event, you yourself will be Ponging. Ponging. <laughs> so it's that classic thing of like, you know, I Pong, you Pong, he, she, it Pongs, they Pong, we Pong. Right, everybody Pongs. So we get that it's a... <laughs> we get that it's an amusing word, okay? But I tell you, by the time we finish talking today, we'll have, um, we'll have normalised the P word, the Pong word. And you'll be thinking about it differently to maybe how you came into the room this morning, thinking about Pong. So we encourage communities to, to Pong, to hold a Pong event, and then to see funds raised by simple peer-to-peer -peer fundraising. It's simple. This year, we estimate there'll be somewhere in the vicinity of 65 to 70 Pong events happening nationwide. And one very special event that happens each year in Philadelphia in the United States. And I very much hope that we'll host um, a Pong event here at YVV later in the year, but we'll talk a little bit more about that later. So you might be thinking, okay, so what, Matt, does a Pong event actually looks, look like? Well, it looks like whatever your community wants it to look like. If you're a school with 500 students and you think we're gonna Pong for 24 hours and we're gonna offer three hour time slots and we're gonna have 20, 25 tables set up in the, in the gym, Fantastic, do that. If you're a church of seven old ladies, all of whom are 100 years old, that possibly don't want to pong for 24 hours, perhaps doing something for an hour or two. If you're a group of people who think we love nothing more than ABBA and we want to hold a, an ABBA disco pong, go and hold an ABBA disco pong. It's whatever suits your community best. We do encourage communities where possible to Pong for 24 hours. It's a long time, it's a sacrifice. And every year we do have a group of people in different Pong events around Australia who do Pong for 24 hours and man, they are cooked after 24 hours. It is a sacrifice. So alongside, in, alongside encouraging communities to, to get a Pong event up and running, we provide the educative piece around it. We provide the videos. We provide um, the online presence that teaches people about the issues pertaining to slavery and trafficking. At this point, David, if I can just ask you to stand up. This is um, my very good friend, David Good. Now, David is the Chief Executive Officer of Pong, and we use that title CEO when we're in kind of posh, important company. But normally we go with the CPO, he's the Chief Pong Officer. <laughs> so, we are the only two employees of the Pong. So you've got us both here this morning. So if something goes drastically wrong this morning, like we get hit by a plane or something, Pong's in big trouble. Thanks, David. right. A couple of quick things about myself. I've been walking with Jesus since 1990. And yes, obviously, as my accent betrays, um, I'm of English origin. But don't hold me, don't hold that against me. After all, you guys have got the ashes at the moment. <laughs> Prior to being involved with the Pong, I had a 20-year involvement in the homelessness sector. And it was an incredible joy to serve in that way decided long, long ago in my life that I was not prepared to live my life, to find myself lying on my deathbed one day 
just wondering if I might have been able to make a real difference to a cause or causes bigger than myself. I knew early on that my life was about working for and with other people, people less fortunate than myself, serving, I guess. And I guess that's why I'm involved in the Pong, because I believe that as one individual can make a big difference. So can we have that title? Okay, so I always want to give the talk a, a title, and I've called this talk one. So we're going to talk about some pretty big numbers this morning. But the number that I really want you to think about a lot is this one. Straightforward, but perhaps a little less straightforward is the tagline of the talk. And the tagline of the talk is from the Talmud. Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. I'll say it again. Whoever saves one life saves the world entire. Now, the Talmud is one of the central texts of Judaism. And we'll revisit this line a little later on. Volumes have been written about the Talmud, but the simplest explanation I could find for it is it's the link in Judaism between the Torah, what we understand as the first five books of the Old Testament, and Jewish practices and beliefs, um, a way of seeing and comprehending discussion between thousands of rabbis spanning many, many centuries. That's an aside. Slavery. Slavery is illegal. It's a crime. And I can say that so confidently and be so sure about that because Article 4 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights from 1948 states the following. No one shall be held in servitude. Slavery and the slave trade shall be prohibited in all their forms. Now, many countries on earth willfully ignore this human right. But all the same, it's there. So what is slavery? Let's start to have a look at that. We understand there's something like the 5.8 million people today living in conditions of modern slavery. And this is according to the Global Slavery Index. And I always feel very mixed about the fact that we have something called the Global Slavery Index. One, how appalling is it that mankind needs such a, such a metric? But equally, I'm glad that it's there so that we know and that we can start to take action. So modern slavery can be defined as forced labor, as forced sexual exploitation of adults and children, and forced marriage. Its victims are bound to toil for little or no pay, are forced to engage in exploitative sex work, or are married against their will. It costs, the indi it costs individual freedom and economic stagnation. Its impact is global, and no country is immune. That's important. So if you're sitting thinking, yeah, I get it, Matt, it's bad. It's over there somewhere in Southeast Asia or India, but not here in Australia because we're advanced and we're Western and we're smart and we're intelligent and we're beyond reproach, right? Well, no. Global Slavery Index estimates that on any given day, there's up to 15,000 people living in conditions of modern slavery here in Australia. If you think about the size of Melbourne, I think there must be thousands and thousands and thousands of people in, in enslaved conditions in Melbourne. 
it probably means, probably, somewhere here in Mount Evelyn, there's somebody living in a condition of modern slavery. Maybe in your street. Maybe your next door neighbour. I don't know. It's all around us. It's estimated that 71% of people in conditions of modern slavery are female and that 29% are male. And it's estimated that nearly 25 million people are in conditions of forced labour. It's also estimated that there are approximately 10 million children in the world today in slavery. I'm sure that there's many people in the room this morning who have heard of IJM, International Justice Mission. IJM recently revealed, and this is upsetting, that the youngest person that IJM has rescued from online live-streamed sexual abuse is two months old. Two months old. Unimaginable. Over my seven years involved with the Pong, I've heard stories that if they were not told to me by reliable sources, I just could not believe. So we have a bit of a job on our hands as a local community, as a national community, as a global community. We see a key part of our role at the Pong as education. We want to educate people and we particularly want to educate young men. And the responses that we consistently have from schools and churches where pongs take place is that young people, young men, are learning a thing or two about respect for everybody, but particularly for females. Females, regardless of their circumstances along the way. We pong because we believe that every person matters. We pong because we believe that every single person deserves to live a life that is free. What we do at the pong, we get it. We know it should not work. I'm sure there's plenty of people in the room this morning who are a lot smarter than me probably been involved in a lot more business than I have and who can surely say, Matt, I've got to tell you, old son, you just cannot end human trafficking and slavery by playing table tennis. And I'd have to say, I respect your opinion, but you're wrong because we've proved it. 650 events, $4 million, tens of thousands of lives overseas and now here in Australia who have been impacted by our work. You can use table tennis to end human trafficking. Steve Kaylock, how do you eat an elephant? Why? Why one bite at a time? It's going to take a long time, that's absolutely right. So how do we free nearly 50 million people from a life of slavery? I think it's the same principle, it's not to trivialise it but it's one bite at a time. It's one person at a time. One. Yes, it's simplistic, but if the structures are right, if the willingness is there for us to do something about it, we can do it. What we do at the Pong, it resonates with people. 
After all, most of us here this morning have a son or a daughter or a best friend or a special sibling and the thought of them being entrapped in slavery doesn't bear thinking about, does it? So I'm pretty sure that I can hear somebody's mind ticking over here going, okay, Matt, that's good. You raise all this money. Um, where does it go? Oh, that's a great question. Glad you thought of it. So if we could have the slide up of the eight partners, please. I'm pretty sure for most people here, there's going to be one or two names up there that you recognize. And I'm guessing that the names you recognize would be International Justice Mission and Hagar. They're the two biggest of the partners that we support. I'm also fairly certain that there'll be some names up there that you wouldn't have heard of before. And for a lot of those groups who are listed there, but for the work of the Pong, they're probably not in business anymore. It's the dollars that we send them annually that allow them to keep ticking over. So let me tell you about the three pillars that each of our partners um, has to be involved in. Our partners must be involved in one, education and prevention, stopping young people from being trafficked in the first place. Prevention in this case is surely better than cure. Secondly, we work with organisations who are on about rescue and aftercare, physically bringing people out of an enslaved situation and then putting care, safe housing, medical services, vocational training around them. And wonderful when we see that. And thirdly, we work with organisations who are on about bringing systemic legal change to the parts of the world that need systemic legal change. And we're told from some of our partners who work in this area, nothing speaks louder than seeing perpetrators of crime, bad girls, bad boys, locked up for decades at a time. So we're thrilled that we're involved in, in ridding the streets of some of these perpetrators of crime. Let's be very clear here. Pong supports our charity partners. David and I, we're not over there. We're not over there doing the educative piece. We're not over there bringing systemic legal change. We're not there rescuing people from bonded, bonded labour and bringing people out of bars. That's not what we do. We want to encourage Australian communities to come together and provide the funds for great organisations to do just that. So the majority of our partners are working in Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam and India. And we have one partner who's working right here in Melbourne with survivors of trafficking into Victoria. We love our partners. We've developed extremely close relationships with them over many years. They're great people. They're doing great work. We feel incredibly honoured to be working with them. We also expect a great deal of our partners in terms of the reporting that they send our way. And only once have we had to let a partner go because they would not or could not um, provide us with some of the financial statements and reporting that we want to see. The bottom line is this. Trav, using you as an example, if you give me $5 and say, Matt, I love the Pong, here's $5, um, is it being well used? David and I need to be able to look you in the eye and say, you know what, Trav, it is being well used, and we know it's being well used because we go over there every year and we see the projects that your $5 is supporting.
So at this point, let's look at a video. One of our partners, um, they're called the Freedom Story. They're in the, the north of Thailand, and I'm sure they're going to tell you that. And um, we love Scrape. They're fantastic. Let's see how <laughs> with the Freedom Story here in Northern Thailand. Uh, Freedom Story works in Chiang Rai and Nan in Northern Thailand in the area of trafficking prevention. So we are really intervening before the exploitation begins and helping to ensure that children can lead full and thriving lives. We really believe when it comes to trafficking that prevention is so much better than the cure. And our approach really covers three core areas that put children at risk and we are combating those through our programs. Those areas are an education program, so providing scholarships, mentorship, and resources for children um, to be able to grow and develop, to be able to have adult relationships that they can rely on, and to be able to access education to be able to achieve their dreams. Uh, the second program is a human rights program, so ensuring that children and adults in the community know what their rights are and they know how to access those rights. And then the third program is a sustainable livelihoods program that helps to build income within families in order for them to be able to come out of poverty. Pong has been partnering with us in this transformational work for over 10 years now, and you have really provided funding and support for us across every area that we work. So when we see a child who is prevented from being trafficked, Pong empowered that. When we see students graduate and go on to become teachers, lawyers, auto mechanics, who otherwise were at huge risk of being trafficked and exploited, Pong empowered that. When we see families thrive in our income generation sustainable livelihoods program uh, with sustainable long-term sources of income, Pong empowered that. Because of you, since 2011, we have provided over 270 scholarships for vulnerable children here in Northern Thailand. We have also supported more than 4,000 people with education and child development resources. We have taught over 12,000 people about their human rights and about trafficking. And we have impacted more than 1,000 people through our Sustainable Livelihoods Income Generation programs. Without Pong, all of this would not be possible. You are really changing the world by playing table tennis. And when you Pong, lives are freed. That's the truth. So if you are ponging this year from the bottom of our hearts, we want to thank you. Please do not underestimate the impact of your ponging. You are literally changing the world by doing so. Thank you so much for everything that you do. We really appreciate you and we appreciate all of your support. something that I find completely overwhelming about slavery, taking away another person's freedom. There's something so completely overwhelming about the number, 45.8 million people, number of slaves in the world today. Now I'm guessing that there's probably plenty of people here who have been to the Melbourne Cricket Ground and you've seen a big footy final or you've been to an Ed Sheeran concert, if that's your go. 
And, you know, we, we understand that the MCG full is about 100,000 people. So we're going to have to create 458 MCGs back to back to back to back to back. That's a, that's a, that's a lot of full football stadiums to start to comprehend that number, 45.8 million. That number is almost approximately twice the population of Australia. So we struggle to get our heads around such a number. Of course we do, rightly so. But we understand the number one easily enough. One's you, it's me. It's one of our parents, a favorite teacher, special friend. And when we think of that one person, we know that one matters. What if we could say just one person from slavery and bring them to a life of freedom? Just one. In the New Testament, Jesus shows us the importance of one life, parables of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And Jesus went after and found the lost ones, the woman at the well, a man possessed demons, a man at the pool at Bethesda, and many more. And I want to dwell here just for a moment on the impact of Jesus' words and actions, the, Im the impact of his obedience to what Father called him to. We're told that the woman at the well spread news about Jesus throughout the land. The man possessed by demons proclaimed throughout the whole city the things Jesus had done for him. Imagine the impact of these people's words throughout their own communities. Maybe entire families and towns were impacted by Jesus' obedience during these encounters. We can only imagine the impact created by Jesus going after healing, restoring, teaching, blessing the one. So much impact. The ripple effects of what Jesus did and said went on and on and on. Of course they did, and these ripples are still being felt today, here and now, this morning, right here. There's a little phrase that's become very big in the Pong lexicon over the last two or three years, and it's standing in the gap. And I think we're about to have the words there from Ezekiel. Is God speaking? And I searched for a man among them who should build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land, that I should not destroy it. But I found no one. And of course, there's many other examples through the scriptures of people standing in the gap. And let's just um, progress through a few of these very quickly. Exodus 32, on Mount Sinai, God saw the golden calf and he wanted to wipe out the Israelites. Moses pleaded with God not to wipe out his people. God relented. Moses stood in the gap. Genesis 18, we find that um, God's revealed to Abraham his plan to wipe out the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Abraham interceded. He stood in the gap. He pleaded with God not to destroy the cities and therefore the few righteous people who are in said cities. Now, ultimately, of course, we know God does wipe out the cities, but not until he spared Lot and his two daughters. In 1 Samuel, we're told about the Philistines and their star fighter, Goliath. He confronts the armies of Israel, and the, Israelite, the Israelites, quite right, rightly, are scared. David stands in the gap. God blesses him with victory over Goliath and the Philistine army. In Daniel, Daniel takes responsibility for the sins of the people. He confesses those sins on behalf of the people before God and asks, God's for, asks God 
for deliverance of the people. He stands in the gap. And then two from the New Testament. Stephen being stoned to death. This one always just blows my mind here. As he's being stoned to death, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he falls to his knees and cries out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep. His final earthly words and actions were to stand in the gap before God for the very people killing him. Not sure about you guys, I'm fairly sure that if I'm being death, um, the last thing that's on my mind is to intercede on behalf of people killing me and asking God to forgive them. I'm, I, can, I can guarantee it. It's not going to happen. And then, of course, the, ex the ultimate example for us of standing in the gap. Well, not so much standing in the gap, but hanging in the gap, I guess. Jesus hanging on the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The idea of standing in the gap creates a clear visual picture of someone interceding to protect someone or something. A simple example of this is the protective wall around a city. If there's a, if there's a breach in this wall, the city's vulnerable and the people can be attacked. But the troops that would stand in the gap would be able to protect the city, protect the individuals within it, and see off the invaders. Which gives me a nifty idea. Guys, can you help me find the end there? Might need a, another microphone. <laughs> Time to play. All right. <clears throat> I need you probably here. Over there. Okay. Now, Di's in a bit of trouble right now, okay? Rob, can I have you out, please? Okay. All right, just take a moment there, Rob. Okay. Now, we know that Rob is a great guy, okay? And we, and we, yes, quite right. But just for the next two or three minutes, Rob is not a good guy. He's a villain. <laughs> and he wants nothing more than to find Di and take her away and put her into a life of slavery on a fishing vessel because... That's good, man. That's good. It's just taking care of itself. This is wonderful. Rob is, Rob is a villain. He is full of villainy. He thinks villainous thoughts. And, and we thought he lived in Croydon, but he doesn't. He lives in Villainsville. You hold, you wait there. Okay, I need, I need five people to help save Die. Anybody, don't care who it is, come out. We've got oh four, we're one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we're going to do, guys, we're going to build a wall in front of Die. Okay. A worthy cause indeed. Right, if I could have one more, one more person. Ah, so good. It's coming. It's taking... All right. Now, your job is very clear, okay? You cannot let Rob through your wall. If he breaks through, Di's life is as good as over. Now, 
One or two people here will know a lot of history and you'll think, be thinking about the Maginot Line in France in the 1940s, okay? If you don't, look it up, it's good fun. You cannot, Rob, you cannot go round the side, okay? You can only go through. I know, what I'm interested in here, ladies and gentlemen, is if Rob starts to have success and he starts to break through that wall, are we, as a church community, going to... Oh, well, we had quite a good run with Di, I guess. It wasn't too bad. <laughs> or are we actually going to stand up and are we going to stand in the gap of that wall and to reinforce that wall? Di, this is always the most worrying moment of the talk for me. Okay, and for you too. Fortunately, in the 27 times that I've done this, no pastor has been taken away into slavery. We've always managed. Now, Rob's only one man, villainous as he is, but he needs a hand. All right, let's, I don't know, I don't know what's going to happen at this point. Let's just wait and see. Off you go, Rob. Can you get through that wall? Oh. Well, it looks like it's holding fairly strong at the moment. Oh, here comes some reinforcement. <laughs> this, is, this is wonderfully chaotic. Thank you. Wow. never seen the wall actually move and then physically <laughs> physically assault the villain that's really so I wasn't expecting that role no. <laughs> oh no clearly not very loved pastor that's good to see so can we really stand in the gap for vulnerable individuals well yes I categorically believe that we can and that we do and I think we just proved it there are already thousands of people, possibly tens of thousands of people, whose lives have been impacted by the fact that the Pong community has stood in the gap for someone. Quite possibly a boy or a girl, a young man or a young woman, someone else's offspring that we will possibly never meet. The Pong community stood in the gap. It played table tennis. It raised funds. It impacted their life, but not just their life. Perhaps it impacted the life of their siblings, their parents, their entire community. Perhaps standing in the gap has allowed them to complete primary school and then to go through high school and on to university. And the impact of their standing in the gap will lead to generation after generation being set free from the insidious nature of exploitation and slavery. 
We read in Deuteronomy 28 about generational blessings and curses. What we've learned is that when one person is set free, the good news is it's never just one person. It's so much broader, and that's a great thing. So yes, we believe that you can stand, but we can stand in the gap. And when we do, man, we see that we become a conduit of change. David, if I could have you out for a moment, please. And die, if you could come up, please. Yeah, yeah. No, no. So we believe that Pong is a gift to the church. And we invite all church communities, regardless of denomination, to take a hold of this gift and to adopt it as a part of their own community's missional expression of care. So David, if you could hand die our little gift to her. So Di, we offer, you, we offer you on behalf of um, the elders and the body here uh, at YVV um, that gift of glorious table tennis balls. And, uh, and we hope that you choose to run with Pong as a, as a part of your missional expression. But here's the thing. There's no process of manipulation going on here. If Di comes back to me in a few weeks and says, Matt, we love the Pong. We want to get involved in the Pong. That's great. We'll be thrilled to do but even a few weeks, Di says to me, you know what, Matt, we like what you and David do. We think the Pong is quirky and unique and fun, but it's really not quite something for us as a church. That's fantastic too. Hand the gift back and we'll go and offer it to somebody else. David and I have no interest in manipulating anybody into Ponging. If a community wants to Pong, great. We'll walk with you. We'll help you do it brilliantly. If it doesn't want a pong, all that really means is the church community is doing several other wonderful, wonderful things, standing in the gap in other ways for other important causes. No one loses. It's easy. But for now, Di, please take your table tennis balls. <laughs> okay, getting towards the end now to change tack a bit. We're now going to go to literature and to the movies. 1982 Australian author Thomas Keneally wrote a book called Schindler's Ark. Hands up if you read Schindler's Ark published in 1982. That's fantastic. Often it's, no, it's nobody, so good work. Published in 82, that book won the Booker Prize the same year. Steven Spielberg, movie producer, loved the book. And in 1994, he turned the book into the movie Schindler's List. Hand up if you've seen Schindler's List. Excellent, a lot of people here. Now, if you haven't seen Schindler's List, you probably should. But do not do it as a date night exercise. Okay? There are some... There's some difficult moments in that film. For me, Schindler's List is one of the most beautiful films that I've ever seen. It's agonizingly painful in places, exquisite in others. Based on the true story of the German industrialist Oskar Schindler, 
He was a paid-up member of the Nazi party. His factories made munitions and enamelware. And he employed Jewish workers. Now, I have to be careful when I use the term he employed Jewish workers. Really, they were slaves. But that's an aside to the story. By most normal standards, Oskar Schindler was not a good man. He was an adulterer. He was a drunkard. He was a crooked businessman. He was a gambler. He was not, for the gentleman in the room, he was not the man that you hoped that your daughter would bring home and say, Dad, this is whom I want to marry. But Oskar Schindler had one astonishing, redeeming trait. And that is, as it says up there, I hated the brutality, the sadism, and the insanity of Nazism. I just couldn't stand by and see people destroyed. I did what I could, what I had to do, what my conscience told me I must do. That's all there is to it, really. Nothing more. That just sounds so simple, doesn't it? He kept 1,200 Jewish people alive during World War II. 1,200 people who otherwise, certainly, as a fact, would have ended up in the gas chambers. As the war comes to an end, the Allies are rapidly advancing, and it's clear that Nazism is falling. Oskar Schindler suddenly was in great danger. As a paid-up member of the Nazi party, he was about to become the hunted. His workers, who rightfully loved him to bits, wrote him a letter so that when he was captured by Allied forces would say, this is a good man. He saved over a thousand Jewish souls. And the workers fashioned a ring for him. They found a bit of gold in, in one of their workers' mouths, extracted the gold, fashioned a ring, and on the inside of the ring, they inscribed that line from the Talmud. He who saves one life saves the world entire. Schindler was on to something. And perhaps there are some parallels between what he did, 1939, 1945, and what we can do when it comes to working against trafficking. We can't do everything. We know that. But we can do something. And to the one individual that we do help, well, that something just might be everything. Indeed, what we managed to do might be to take just one more bite out of that metaphorical ele elephant. Because if we take enough bites, the world changes. There's an astonishing scene it's at right at the very end of Schindler's List. The movie is predominantly shot in black and white, but right at the end, we see a, a, a scene of a cemetery and a hill. The movie moves from black and white to color. Remembering this was 1993 that it was filmed, so less than 50 years after the end of Nazism. And what we start to see from the top of the hill descending down into the graveyard to visit Oskar Schindler's grave are the remaining Jewish survivors of his workforce. And they're old, of course they are, but alongside them are their children and their grandchildren and their great-grandchildren. And 
I can't talk about it without getting emotional. And when I see that scene, and I think one man, a pretty wretched man in lots of ways, but he did this astonishing thing, 1,200 people that he saved. And how many more Schindler Jews and their offspring are there now? I don't know, 10,000, 50,000? I don't know. But it's world-changing. So what if one person that you love most in the whole world was one of these 45.8 million people? How far would we go as an individual to try and bring them to freedom? How far would you fight for one person's life? I said much earlier that anybody who knows anything about business will know that, nah, Matt, can't end, can't end traffic in by playing table tennis should not work, does work. So why does it work? Well, it's about that beautifully smooth, elegant word. Juxtaposition. What an ugly word. But everyone enjoys playing table tennis, right? I've got this theory, right? Can everybody just, everybody just find the pulse on your body? Your neck, your wrist, I don't care where it is. Can you find that pulse? Is it there? my theory goes like this, and I could be wrong, but I'm probably not, that if you've got a pulse, you like playing table tennis. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm open to being wrong. And if you haven't got a pulse, you're probably dead already, to be honest. Table tennis. The easiest entry-level sport in the world. We're all horrified by slavery and trafficking. We all love playing table tennis, as we've just determined there. There's a gulf, isn't there? There's a gulf between the lightness and the fun of playing table tennis and the horror and the darkness, misery of slavery, a clear juxtaposition. Light infiltrates darkness, light overcomes darkness. I don't know, but it almost sounds like there's something biblical going on here, maybe. At every Pong event that we host, we hear the same thing for some reason that we don't understand and we don't lay claim to inventing. When people play table tennis together, community occurs. People start talking. Many years ago now, we took a Pong event into the gym that I was a part of in, in Hawthorne. Now, at the gym, gyms are very selfish places. It's about me. And I might nod at you, but I don't really care about you because I'm more concerned about me. But guess what happened the day that we brought a Pong event into the gym? Two table tennis tables. People who had been on nodding terms for many years suddenly started talking. I don't know why, but it was a glorious thing. And we hear this from churches, schools, businesses. We brought this Pong event in, and then these people, these old people and these young people, never the, never the twain shall meet kind of thing, suddenly they're talking and we nod and go, yeah, we know. We don't know why it happens, but it happens. It's exciting. I'm right, probably two minutes to go on my call. Do I have that microphone? In the, um, I'm useless at standing still. Um, in the clip of the freedom story that we, sorry. <laughs> in the clip of the freedom story where Lucy McRae was talking, um, if you look very closely, you would have seen me, me and David in that, in that clip. 
Um, it was a day that was emotional for lots of reasons. One of them was that the students at the centre there made us do this funky dance. And I don't know about you, David, but I hated it. It was, it was awful. But something brilliant, absolutely stunning, happened at the end of that day. This Thai girl, I'll, I'll call her Annie. This Thai girl comes up to me with, um, with a translator, because my Thai is no good. And she's very emotional. And she says, can we, can we talk? Yeah, sure, we can talk. Let's, let's sit down and talk. So with the translator, she's saying, Matt, thank you to you and to Pong for what you do. I said, Annie, that's, that's cool. That's our pleasure. You know, it's great. She knows that where she is in the world, the level of poverty that her parents live under, she knows that she's at the greatest risk of Mr. Trafficker knocking on her door and saying, I've got a great job for two of your kids down in, in the city, but because of the work of the, the, the Freedom Story, because the Pong community has done what it's done, that girl is now safe. She gets it. She understands, really, that in life, she's, she's won the lottery in many ways. She'll possibly never be rich, but she's possibly never going to be prostituted and working on the streets of Bangkok. And she got a bit emotional and she said, no, Matt, when you go back to Australia, will you thank people? Will you thank Pong people for what they're doing? I said, yeah, Annie, of course, I'll thank people. And I said, I, I commit that for the next 12 months, everywhere that I talk, I will mention your story because it's so powerful. And we can't understand 50 million people. It's too much, but we understand one. And how do we understand 45 million? We understand it by synthesizing it down to one. And here's Annie sitting in front of me, emotional, getting that she's at this enormous risk and that she's not going to be at risk now because of what Pong Nation does each and every year. She sees the pathway. She will go through primary school. She will go through high school. She will live with the freedom that I hope that each and every one of us lives with. To conclude, a song lyric. The lines are taken from the song entitled One, written by you two, but arguably made more famous by the late, great Johnny Cash. One life, you got to do what you should. One life with each other, sisters and my brothers. One life, but we're not the same, but we get to carry each other, to carry each other. For me, that's it, in a nutshell. We do indeed get to carry one another. And sometimes to carry one another, we need to stand in the gap of injustice to do this. I encourage us all this morning to be people who are willing to stand in the gap. Thank you.